If I, uh, if I'd asked you right now what's going on this week, I think most of you would say the same thing. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of, of people that are spectators and people that are athletes are gathering in Rio de Janeiro to do Olympics, yes? I think if there's one thing we're aware of, that's probably it. We gather around screens around the globe. You may miss some things, but I doubt many people have missed at least some of the Olympics. And I say that because I just did a quick Google search. Just say, how many people are watching the Olympics. And it came back up, first answer said, it's possible for 3.5 billion people to watch the Olympics and probably 3.2 billion are doing so, at least for some time or another. Yes, that is, we don't have many events in all the world history that are bigger than these Olympic Games. It seems to be almost incredibly difficult to understand. What is it that is so amazingly attractive to people from everywhere, regardless of geography, regardless of religion, regardless of race, regardless of opinions, regardless of just about anything, we seem to be attracted around the globe to this thing that we call the Olympic Games. So why is that? Maybe it's because we just like competition. It's part of human nature to kind of compete maybe. And I think there may be <clears throat> something to be said for that. But I think there's something that re reaches much further down into our soul. There's just something about us as human beings that find it extraordinarily captivating to see what can happen, how much is possible for human beings if they focus in and they have one focus, one commitment, one desire, and what can happen when that's it. All concentration for years and years focused in one direction and for one purpose, to stand on that podium, hopefully, as a winner. Well, what does it take to get to the Olympics? Well, first of all, I guess you have to be willing to pay the price in preparation. Yes, we get that. Nobody gets to the Olympic Games with their hands in the pockets. An uncountable number of hours are going in preparation, preceding participation in the Games. When everybody else get together to have a good time, you're exercising. Preparing, training, when everybody else is going to sleep, 
or hear the alarm clock and turn around to take another hour or so, you're up running, training, exercising. When, when very delicious foods are handed out, you say, no, thank you. I need to be eating this kind of food. Everything is done with this focus of getting to that point where possibly I can stand on that podium of victory. And you see, in the text we're going to read, if you have your Bibles, if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, as I was thinking about this morning, I thought there could be many texts more pertinent for Sunday like this. This is where <clears throat> Paul joins the conversation and talk about participation is in the race, if you will, of faith. Stay focused. God has a purpose. We, as a church, are called to be on God's team. If there are people who are willing to pay this kind of price to have a wreath made out of leaves that will soon fade, how much more should we not who have joined up, if you will, as athletes of faith or to be part of God's Olympic team, however you want to put it, to stay in the imagery of this text we're going to read in just a moment. How much more should we not, who are anticipating a wreath that will never fade, how much more should we not be willing to give all to stand on that podium and to receive this prize. Can we read together from 1 Corinthians chapter 9? I'm beginning to read in verse 24. Paul puts it this way. He says, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating in the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I couldn't help but to think as these games are going on, and if you allow me to stay in that imagery, everything happens at the feet of Christ the Redeemer statue, right? Don't overdo this, but still, for us as we read this text, 
It shows us that we are on the team. We are not in the bleachers. God has called us not just to put on the right kind of jersey and shout out for the others, but to be on the team, God's team, the church. And as we meet in the church, we are meeting to share his word. We're meeting to hear his voice. We are not just coming because we share some kind of common idea. We are not here just because we want to have a good time. We're not here just because we just want to make sure everybody's kind of on the same page and agreeing on all things. Really, what brings us here, we realize we need that voice from God. We are here because in the end, we are praying the same kind of prayers. We are listening to the same coach, if you will. We have the same goal, the same desire to hear in the end the one and only say, well done, my true and faithful servant. The encouragement that is found in this text is not that we should consider anything that has to do with the Christian life as a big competition. This has absolutely nothing to do with competition. The point is simply to put things in focus. What Paul is highlighting here is that you who have met grace, you who have received an experience of the Lordship of Jesus Christ and heard him call on you personally, you who have decided to be part of this run of faith, if you will, you need to run in such a way as if you're running for Olympic gold. At this beginning of a new kind of season for the church, you know, summer is over in just a couple of weeks and we'll launch a new fall season. Can we be inspired by what goes on right now? By people who are so committed on the human level that it becomes an inspiration for us to see what what we can do on a spiritual level. What God is able to accomplish through his people when they are committed to one thing. Just imagine. I think that's what goes on in, in what's going on in Paul's mind here. Imagine what normal decisiveness and normal determination can accomplish and then what that should not do. If that's true on a human level, how much more should that not be true on a spiritual level? Where people are not fighting just for their own wreath or in their own strength, 
but in God's strength. Just imagine this. In this year where we celebrate the Olympics, on this Sunday, right between two weeks of concentrated Olympic Games where the whole world gets together, is it possible? Can you imagine what would happen if even this church, the First Baptist Church of Nacogdoches, Texas, grabbed a hold of faith and the race of faith, to use that expression, with the kind of commitment that you find in those who are struggling and fighting and raising for mere gold in Brazil. Think about it. Just imagine. What can possibly be missing? What can be missing for us to see that kind of work in our midst? The motivation should be stronger in us than in any kind of athlete that are just trying to win the prize to themselves. We have everything. Everything. Jesus Christ is the greatest role model and the greatest image of inspiration that we could possibly ever imagine. God's Holy Spirit gives us the most inspiring and motivating coaching that we could possibly ever find or desire. Victory, even that podium, if you will, God's blessing, the promiser of, is the greatest care that we could ever possibly want to strive for. Everything is here. Are you seeing this? Everything is here. And the result of the Faith Olympics, if you will, should be able to far exceed what humans can exceed in their own power and just for normal physical kind of expressions. In fact, if you go a little further, it doesn't take much for the Bible to pick up this very thing. Paul, in another letter, he writes it to his disciple Timothy. And he says that spiritual exercise, I mean, physical exercise is okay for some things. Listen to what he says. Train yourself to be godly. Physical exercise is of some value, but spiritual exercise has value for all things, holding the promise both for the present life and for the life to come. Can I ask you, how about your spiritual exercise? When you're sitting in front of the screen and watching 
Are you reminded, do you become inspired to engage in a deeper level in spiritual exercise? Are you able simply to look and recognize the dedication that should put you in a new gear as you run the race of faith? Now, I want to make sure we don't get confused about all this talk about winning in this text so we get to kind of consider the Christian life as some kind of performance race where it's it's about winning all the time, becoming better than others. That's as far from anything in this text. That is not what this is about. Paul simply talks to a church that had become lax the Corinthians had begun to expect, even anticipate, just to stand automatically on the podium of victory without being willing to pay any kind of price whatsoever. It was enough for them, they thought, to just pull on the jersey and sit in the bleachers and cry out for others. And therefore, I think, Paul takes this opportunity to speak. You know, the Corinthians were very well aware of this. There were two major games, if you will, in the ancient world. One is the Olympic Games that was just kind of up the road, if you will, for uh, the Corinthians. That was every fourth year. We're still doing that. The other was the Isthmian Games that was second only to the Olympic Games, and they were all celebrated in Corinth itself. And they happen not every fourth year, but every other year. And so now God's word is taking the opportunity and using this illustration to remind Christians and Christian churches in all times and in all places about the importance of the Christian life and the Christian run, if you will. This doesn't just happen, Paul seems to say here, an automatic way Just because you're kind of given some kind of confession and you claim some kind of relationship, there's a life to be lived. The Christian life and the victory that comes from it is not some kind of reward for having done something right. It's an integral part of it. But you need to stay, friends, in the race. Paul says it so strongly even to the church in, in Galatians that he is talking to for a lot of other reasons also, and he's saying this in chapter 5, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. Stay engaged. Paul is saying, stay firm, stay faithful, stay committed. I think the painful experience that Paul had was that there were some who seemed to be part of the race, but they had no real eye for the victory. 
Paul knew it from churches. But he also recognized it even from close friends and co-workers. One of the last lines that we have from his hand, he is again using that illustration from the Olympics. And he talks about how he has run the good race. I fought the good fight, finished the race, kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. But it sounds as if he is almost expressing this with tears. Hurry up and come, Timothy. Because one of my dear friends, Demas, has left me out of love for this world. Again, can we, as we hear about, look at, Read about these Olympic Games, be inspired in our dedication, surrender, commitment, unwavering focus as we run in the Olympics of faith. You know, Paul is talking a little bit about this before he gets to this. If you just have your Bibles open and just back up a little bit. If not, I'm going to read just some of that for you. It begins in verse 19 where he's talking about the significance of this as a price that needs to be paid. He said, though I'm free and belong to no one, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews I become like a Jew to win the Jews. Those under the law have become as one under the law, though I myself not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To the weak, a little further down, I became weak to win the weak. I become all things to all men that I may possibly save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in his blessings. And then comes the illustration that we just read earlier. And I don't want you to misunderstand Paul's words here to say that it doesn't matter how we live because we can just claim that whatever we do, we do this to win some. That's not Paul's point. Paul's point exactly is the opposite. That although I have rights to not do this or to do this, I don't. Or do the things that I have right to not do or to do. Simply because I hold myself back, I'm willing to pay that price. That some, if that's what it takes, will find lordship of Jesus Christ. And become part, if you will, of the Olympic team. Again, don't forget, he's talking to the Corinthians church and through them to all of us, really. That while I used to have freedom, I'm willing to hold that back. 
I used to be able to say these things and, and I stand righteous in doing so. I'm holding back. Even if things need a new dress, the gospel doesn't change, but the dressing of its presentation might. This is not spiritual indifference for Paul. This is spiritual fitness for Paul. Notice what he's saying at the very end. Again, this is one of these verses that, that we can't misunderstand. Though I beat my body to make it my slave so that after I have preached for others, I may not be disqualified. And again, this, of course, is part of the imagery he's using. He's not talking about his physical body or beating his physical body. He's talking about his personality. Paul is saying that the spiritual exercise I'm involved in are so dedicated. They're just as surrendered. They're just as focused as anyone may have at a physical level when they're training for the goal. The gospel that I said yes to, the discipleship that I committed myself to of Jesus Christ was also a yes to participate in the Olympics of faith. I'm going to do this the same way I would have done it if I'd been running for the gold in the games. Not that he was to be better than the rest, but so that he was to give all and everything that he has. For the, road, for the race and the run that God had placed him in. It's a pretty strong text if you think about it. If you just ask, what would the opposite have been? The opposite of what he just said. What would that, well, he kind of mentions that in the verse right previous to that. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. Now, how? Can we imagine that? Well, there's no way of misunderstanding this imagery, right? I mean, someone who is racing and training for the 100 meter or the 400 meter or the 10,000 meter, whatever it may be, they're not running the other way around. They're not running aimlessly. They know exactly this is where we're going. Yes. That's what it is. The opposite would be stupid or someone who's training for, for boxing. They're not just shadow boxing all the time. You've got to get a point when you're in the ring. No aimlessness, but focus. We have and we will be giving everything that the gospel will find the victory within us, Paul says, as in everyone that we meet. Can I end by saying this? We live in a time where communities and cultures are meeting. As churches, and as the First Baptist Church of Nacogdoches, we are challenged like never before to live a life and to 
create a community, if you will, that will bring a testimony that is clearly, unequivocally Christian. We are not in a time where it was just Christendom and we expected things to be Christian and some are talking about it. Could we just reintroduce Christendom? That was kind of a fluke of history, friends. The early Christians would have no idea what that was. They knew what it meant to be persecuted. They knew what it meant to have to risk your life to share your faith. There was no privilege of Christendom where that was serene. The real point here is that Christian community is attractive because it is God's community. Things are different. I've said it before, but let me say it in this context also. The Christian community is different from every other community in its love. The kind of love that is expressed is different from other communities in, this, in the power that is available. It is different from other communities in the spirit that reigns. The Christian community is different from others in the goals that we're striving for. The Christian community is different in the worship that happens. Oh, how I pray that becomes saying we could go on and on about pointing how God has created the Christian community as an alternative community to all the stuff that goes on in the secular world. This is where God becomes visible in the strongest way. In fact, Jesus said it so clearly with the most succinct statement you could possibly imagine. He said, this is how you recognize those who belong to me. By the way, they love one another. And friends, that's what the challenge from this text is all about. It talks to us about the dedication and surrender and singular focus that is necessary for someone to compete in the physical games we call the Olympic Games, that that same kind of dedication and focus and surrender is necessary in the spiritual level, in the Olympic faith games, if you allow me to stay with that. The expressions of the story of Christ Alive and well, and the goal with which or for which we're striving. Can we stand shoulder to shoulder with Paul? Would that be possible? Would it? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. He's writing to the church that most scholars agree probably the church he liked and loved the most. It's the only letter we have from his hand where there's hardly even a corrective word. It's a love letter to a church. And this is what he says. One thing I do, 
I'm forgetting what is behind and I'm straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me in Christ Jesus. I'm getting the chills. I don't know about you. You're going to turn on the screen this afternoon. I know you will. Or maybe later tonight after you come home from the Bible study where we're dealing about God's story. It doesn't begin until seven anyway, so you have all the time in the world to be here at six, yes? But when you do, may this come rushing back and bring you onto your knees and cry out to God. Say, Lord, that's who I want to be. That kind of dedication can come from my heart. Can we stand, friends, as we pray together? We're going to sing a song of invitation, as you know. Some of you may need to grab a friend or a spouse's hand, come up and kneel and say, we're going to just rededicate our lives in a new way. Others of you may want to just say, hey, I, I've been kind of floundering. I need to have a place, a community, a team to be on. I want to invite you to be part of this team that gathers here. If you don't even know what it means to be on the team, there will be plenty of us who would love to talk to you about meeting Christ. But we don't say these things on Sunday mornings just because we need something to say and this is what we normally do. We're done with Christendom, yes? We're ready for the empowered, God-infused life. Father, would you hear this prayer that goes on in the heart of everyone here? Different as they may be, but may they come from the heart. Would you guide the decisions that are being made even as we speak? Both the decisions here and those who are listening on television are following on the computer screen. Father, we just ask that you will find us worthy and fully engaged as members on your Olympic faith team. Amen.